What's going on, everybody? This is your boy, Marin, with another episode of the Marin Ham Show. And today's guest, we have a very special guest. She's a legend in the behind the scenes and in the entertainment industry, Francois Blanchette, head of publicity at MCMPR. How are you, Francois? Hi, how are you? Good, good. Hanging in there. You know, it's almost end of day here, another day, another dollar. So how about yourself? How's your day going so far? My day is going great. My day is going great. How about you? Good, good. I mean, it's it's hanging in there, you know, by a thread, I guess. You know, I've been up since like five in the morning, so it's like time to like calm, get the day easy is in there, you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 I feel you. Sure, sure, sure. sure. Now, for those who aren't too familiar, who was Francoise? And give us where you grew up and everything. Give us that start. Oh, okay. Um, my name is Francoise. My my full last name is Rufin Blanchette, but I, I use Blanchette. So my name is already long enough. Um, <laughs> especially for emails. Um, mm-hmm. but, um, I grew up in, um, Brooklyn, New York. Um, I come from, um, I have, um, Southern parents and, and half Caribbean parents. Mm-hmm. My father's French Caribbean from Martinique. So I had a lot of that, um, structure and upgrowing come, um, coming up. Um, especially with a lot of large, a large part of his family living in New York. Mm-hmm. And my mom's from Philadelphia with roots in from down South in North Carolina and Maryland. So I have a lot of Philly roots in me and as well as having that down South summers. And if, if any, if anybody from New York has family from down South, I know they can relate to mm-hmm. those summers. You get to actually play in the street. Um, and um, I knew I was always wanted to work in the music industry. I, my uncle was, um, uh, the lighting guy at, at Apollo theater mm. and would sneak me back, <laughs> nice. sneak me into the, um, backstage area when I was very young for showtime at the Apollo. And, um, I fell in love with the, the action and backstage of it and just been aspiring, you know, to be the best in that industry ever since mm-hmm. being exposed so, to that. Yeah. So, and then you, so, you know, do you know the ins and outs of Apollo pretty much? Yes, for sure. <laughs> what, <laughs> I started is, my first internship there, yeah. Ah, okay. Well, do you remember, like, what was your favorite, like, thing you've seen live there, working there, or being around there? I mean, I was super young, like, junior high school, but I remember um, seeing, like, uh, Tupac last year there, mm-hmm. before he passed, and Biggie before he passed. Um, I remember just seeing a lot of hip-hop, you know, and uh, fortunately, Steve Harvey was one of the hosts of Showtime at the Apollo there. Mm-hmm. And I remember just running and getting juice for Kiki Shepard in, in Apollo. <laughs> and because um, that's all I was allowed to do at that age, you know, just right, fill up right. their water coolers. You yeah, know? you weren't allowed to link any alcohol or anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. And then when I got older, um, at the show was starting to end, but... Um, I, I lied about my age. <laughs> so they had a new mm-hmm. new group of producers there. And I lied about my age and said I was older than I was so that I could have more responsibilities. And so I went from being a talent escort, which means that I was assigned a specific talent and I would mm-hmm. just be their babysitter for the whole day, whatever they needed mm-hmm. before the show. And then I ended up being a talent coordinator, which was like a big thing for me in high school. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> So that's the time I got my freshman year of college when the show ended. And um, seeing my name in credits in high school was amazing, you know? Mm, so you've had a lot of experience pretty much. A like, lot of experience uh, before and, my time. And I yeah. definitely lied about my age a lot to get certain opportunities, including even interning <laughs> at Def Jam 
it was so funny, you know. <laughs> nice. Which who's the who's the executive at the time? Was it like Kevin Lyles? Who who did you work under? At Def Jam? Yeah. Oh yes. It was um Leora Cohen. Mm. Um Russell was there, Kevin Lyles. Um and uh it was it was amazing. You know, I got to see Rock Rockefeller turn Rock Rock Nation nice. um blow up. Um, Murder Inc. I got to see them like flourish. DMX um, at his label. I got to see them flourish. I got to see a lot of people mm. start from, you know, when they were functioning in their careers to being, you know, megastars. And um, okay. I see the process. And I remember Jeff Jan when it was super small on Barrack Street. Mm-hmm. And um, it was all hands on deck. And uh, I got a lot of experience just being able to be in a smaller company at that time and mm. no, seeing how everybody just played a part in working together to make right. all these artists amazing. I remember DMX, so like he went like triple platinum or double platinum with two albums in one year. It's crazy. Um, yeah, so, I was going to say, that's like peak Def Jam, you know what I mean? <laughs> peak like Def Jam, yeah, yeah. Peak Def Jam. So, <laughs> it was so funny. When I finally went to college, um, my boss gave me a going away party and um they were like oh my god what company are you going to next i'm like i'm going to college they were like wait i thought you worked here because <laughs> i would go to private school and at private school i would get out like one two o'clock mm-hmm. and i would change my clothes every day and be there by like two to thirty and i and stayed till eight nine o'clock my parents believed in my dream and would, would help me with um getting home sometimes whether it be with a taxi or picking me up or whatever if i was there late and so i put a lot of time in there every day working yeah. hard and, and um, they didn't realize that I was still in high school. <laughs> like, yeah, that's crazy. Um, I mean, but, sometimes you, you had to do what you had to do, and, and you got that experience really early on. So it kind of prepared you for the industry later on, yeah, and kind of yeah. the who's and the what's and everything. And I've interviewed so many people from from the Dev Jam, especially during that peak era. Like Erica yeah. Montez was one of them. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Dina Marta was one of them. I can't remember, but they were all like they're all were groomed within that specific that under Kevin Lyles and you know yeah. Leo Cohen and and they were and, telling and, me and Julie Greenwald she just got mm-hmm. a um she was my boss's boss my boss was um Jazz Young shout out to her she's teaching right now in the master's program at um Howard University mm-hmm. but she had everybody under her and um Julie Greenwald was her boss and she was just honored, honored at the Clive Davis and I'm like I wonder if she yep. remembers me you know the little yeah. speak. I was so shy and scared I kept my head down mm-hmm. with certain people but um definitely saw a lot of people Lenny S yes. um coming up you know Kevin Lyles coming up Julie Greenwald Irv Gotti um it's a lot a lot of um yeah. exposure at a young age and mm-hmm. it taught me a lot and and uh definitely made sure that I wasn't lazy and had yeah. some accountability for everything that I did and shout mm-hmm. out to Rob Love because he gave me my first internship at Def Jam I was a what do you call that um in-house street team, which I would put the put the nice. uh, okay. the fold, I would put the posters and stuff together so the street mm-hmm. team can go outside and do their things. Or I would make the flyers, and then one day I walked into Jazz's office and I'm like, "This is not really what I want to do. I want to work in with you." And it was more marketing, product product management. Yeah. And she was like, "What do I do?" And I explained to her. She's like, "Okay, start tomorrow." And I told Rob, and he, Rob Love is a legend as well, and yes. he allowed me the opportunity to work with Jazz Young for years. And even when I was in college, I was their college rep. So anytime somebody came into the Massachusetts area, I would set up a meet and greet or 
booked them for a concert in my local local schools around the Massachusetts area. So I kept it going through college and it gave me a lot of opportunities. So I have to thank Def Jam a lot. Right. Yeah. I was going to say, you probably thank them for so many. Ex- Oof, that's crazy. Especially the street team. And they were like the guerrilla marketing. That was yeah, like, right. They don't that have that anymore. Like, I think it's needed. You know, people need yeah. to see. I mean, I think online mark, street team is turned to online. Yeah. And working with social media and blogs. But I mean, people still will hang out in the street. You know? So mm-hmm. they still go to things. So to have that presence, I think I would love to bring that back. More mm-hmm. of a street team presence and figure out, you know, creative ways. Um, that are relevant to this time. Yeah, because I remember, I think the last person that actually did it was DJ Khaled. He did like a street thing, street team thing, like for like, it was like two albums ago. And I and I felt like, is the street team coming back? But he, but he did it so like, nobody really look, remembers it. But I remember it very, because he did impactful. it so quick. Yeah, he did it so quickly. He was like, and then it was done. And it was like- He did a little bit for this album too, because I remember when I went to his, he had a listening- or a launch party for his album at um, Soul House, Ludlow House. Mm-hmm. And um, there was a lot of street team outside. I was like, yes, this is what I'm talking about. Create mm-hmm. pandemonium, create create this like, yeah. like this frenzy outside and to engage with the fans and show them that you're really about, you know, you know, mm-hmm. you're with them, you know, mm-hmm. in the streets in some kind of way. Right. And it works. It gives, it gives, it gives street presence. I mean, yeah. all those things add together to create, you know, the hype for an album or a project right because not everybody like everybody has a phone but nobody not everybody follows the same people online not even so they're sometimes it's new to them it's like oh what is this when you give it to them in the street it's like oh what is this this is pretty yeah cool. okay you might have somebody from new zealand or Lithuania right. in the streets like who is cut and then they just you have you have a new discovery of friends of fans especially in key markets like miami la mm-hmm. um and new york where we have a lot of tourism Mm-hmm. And then, uh, so, but then you mentioned Lenny S, you know what I mean? You probably watched Lenny S be a photographer from a photographer to an A&R to a now an executive. You know what I mean? He's. No, I didn't. Actually, when I, when I first met Lenny, um, I was like 14, 15 years old and he was, um, A&R. He was A&R fella. He always had a camera to take care of images, but I don't think that was ever his role. I think that was something that he did because he had a love of it and he was always inside and had the the intimate moments with Mm -hmm. artists that a lot of people didn't have access to and kind of capitalized on those moments and said, let me share them with the world. Because obviously Jay-Z is is very protective of him and his brand. Mm -hmm. So I think that was just somebody he trusted. As well as sometimes these photographers don't take great pictures of you. (laughs) You know, they just snap, Mm -hmm. snap, snap. They want to get the shot. And I think Lenny S always made sure that he got them, he showed them in the right light, you know? Um, He showed them the Black excellence and the fabulosity of them as well as, you know, showing them on the road in ways that fans probably have never seen them before because you only see them on stage. You know, they're not really calling paparazzi for, mm-hmm. you know, when they're at the restaurant, like a lot, right. of, a, lot of, a lot of other celebrities to do. So to have somebody in trust kind of, you know, open, open the world up to your private life it mm-hmm. is, is priceless. Which, yeah, I, I respect that as a photographer, as a photographer as well, because that's my main role as a photographer. Podcast is like a thing I do where I connect with people and kind of just go from there. You know? So I totally respect Lenny S for that. When I got a chance to meet him, I had to tell him that he was like, well, you know, you just just get he was he told me, he was like, just get your shot. And remember that that's your photo. That's your shot. Yeah, that's, yeah. Your, that's your product. Remember that. Always remember that. Like I saw Cardi B. I, I was doing Summer Jam. 
And I saw Cardi B walking by and she said, you got to capture that. And that remember, that's your product. Nobody else can touch yeah. it. That's your yeah, right. He, and, he, and he's very good at it. But I just want to be very clear. He is an A&R, A&R yeah. um, expert. I mean, he yeah. has a very amazing ear for music. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's in the studio and he's there making, you know, in those beginning stages, um, working with all the artists on Rockefeller right. at that time. And he's mm-hmm. very influential. Um, but just ha- also has have the, he also has the gift of photography. Right. Yeah. Now you, you mentioned marketing, obviously, which you, you've had a ton of experience on it. You've also done entertainment marketing, tech space, and also in the cannabis marketing. How are they different from each other and how can they intertwine with each other based on your experience? Well, I started off in marketing and then when I graduated college and did a few, few jobs, I realized that I really like PR. Um, I started, I mean, when I first came out of college, I worked with Pfizer <laughs> and mm-hmm. I did event planning. So I had that experience. But then I went to Sony Corporation and I worked for luxury marketing and um, all they cared about was marketing. They just wanted to market to their consumers. And I'm right. like, listen, we're doing some crazy dynamic events. Mm-hmm. People need to know about this outside of your direct consumer because I think this can blow it up the brand more. And we launched like Spider-Man, um, uh, PlayStation three, all the I mean, and four, mm-hmm. we did a lot of things there. And I'm like, we need to do that. So I had friends and that were journalists coming up and I would invite them to our events and they, they started loving it. and it kind of let me be in charge of that. And I realized that, that I really have a big, really big love for publicity, but I, I have a passion. I have a know-how for marketing. And I think the difference, um, between any of, any of these things is what's your goal, you know? Right. Um, marketing has a sales goal. PR has an exposure goal, mm-hmm. you know? Um, marketing, their the, the final, the, the, the result that they want at the end of the day is that you buy the product. And PR is just supposed to work with hand in hand with marketing so that we help them achieve those goals, but as well as giving them the maximum amount of exposure in every type mm-hmm. of place that we can. Um, and letting the world feel the emotion of the product or, you know, product brand or person. Um, so we work hand in hand, but we're definitely different, even though sometimes it, it, they kind of intertwine. Intertwine, yeah, they intertwine like somewhat. Because some, I remember, because I know when I, when I always contact a manager to, to reach out to a, to a client, they're always like, go to the PR company. Go to their PR, yeah. reach, reach out to their PR. They're the ones that handle it. It's like, I always get transferred to PR and then I connect with the PR people and they're like, okay, well, now, let me confirm it with the manager. It's like they go back and forth. Right. Well, the thing about it is that we're the gatekeeper, right? So right. they trust us to make the right decision. And so you, it would be it's best to come to us first. So we say what makes sense for the project. Right. And then we kind of go back and explain to the manager, this is what we think should be, it should, um, it should be. Um, or we think that this is not going to be a good look. And then we discuss it with the manager collectively mm-hmm. and come back to you with an answer. So I think we are the gatekeeper. I think it's, I mean, the manager sometimes has a, a wish list or the ability to say, okay, this is what the artist wants. So this is definitely a go because this is something that they want to do anyway. But the publicist really kind of like breaks it down why this would be a great decision or not. Mm-hmm. Now, outside of everything that you do, what are some hobbies you like to do? <laughs> I like to squeeze in some me time on my fabulous trips. <laughs> I get I get to go to a lot of places, traveling with a lot of places with my clients, and sometimes it, on Instagram it looks so amazing, mm-hmm. um, but it's exhausting at the same time. So if mm-hmm. I can fit in an extra day or two to travel someplace else or really explore the land, because I'm not really doing a, a lot of that with my client, right. I like to do that. But other other than traveling. 
I love my Soho House membership. Soho, shout out to Soho House. I mean, anywhere <laughs> I go in the world, I like to just spend a day there because if they have one open, because they're just amazing. Mm-hmm. The hotel experience and the actual just being able to have an in-house office anywhere you go. I mean, you know, um, but other than that, I just can't get out with my friends. I mean, we get to travel out so much and work that I enjoy literally just going to restaurants or just hanging out at my house or my friend's house and watching a movie and Netflix or catching up on some shows. and. Mm-hmm. Hanging out with my family, my mom, you know. Um, my sister works at Apple in San Francisco. My brother works at McKinsey in L.A. So I like to visit them as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but family is just very important to me, and I like to hang out with them as much as possible. Yes, it's, it's very simple. Because, I mean, I see you working all the time. Even when you were on vacation, I hit you up. It's like, hey, enjoy your vacation. You're like, this is not a vacation. <laughs> this is work, but I'm trying to get my me time here. And I was like, oh, snap. She oh, my God. It's so annoying. Me and my friend, um, my Vanessa, we went to Tulum, Mexico. Mm-hmm. And we're at dinner. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. We're on the beach. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Like, why am I doing a Zoom on my, my day off? But it's hard. It's, it's, it's different when you have your own company. There's really no PTO, you know? Know, like mm-hmm. we don't have the PTO that might like even my sister. I'm like, you work at Apple, you get a PTO. I, I actually still have to work because um, I get to work less on one of my vacation, but there are pertinent questions that I have to answer or things that I have to jump on. Sometimes it's going to be interrupted, but then I also have the luxury of being able to go on a vacation whenever I want without having to put in that PTO request. Mm-hmm. So there's a balance in that, you know. Right. And and it's like, like I mentioned, it's that office view is amazing. So it's like, that's an extra inspiration <laughs> right there. And I was like, okay, that's, exactly. a, was like, that's exactly. a beautiful office. Cause you're like, I need a vacation. I need a vacation. And next thing you know, I see you on vacation. I'm like, okay, there she goes. So she's spoken into existence, but there's work there coming. It's like, damn it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, and then you have staff, you know, you have people that right. work under you that depend on you. And, you know, if they mess up, they're going to say, well, I, I couldn't get in contact with you. And I don't never want anyone to, to say that. I want them to be accessible if you have a question, no matter what, because at the end of the day, when I get off a vacation, I need to be able to afford another one. You know, so I've got to keep yeah. my clients happy. <laughs> you gotta, yeah. yeah. What are some of your favorite campaigns you worked on? Mm. Well, I think when I first started um, having my own company, the first, my first client at that time was working with Swiss Beats. Nice. And one of my favorite projects was working on the Reebok campaign. Mm-hmm. I, no, no shade to Reebok. I, I love your shoe. You're legendary. But I just feel like ever since then, like he has had the most impact on their Reebok brand in the last like decade um, as far as the explosion. I mean, he even put um, Meek, Meek Mill and a couple other celebrities mm-hmm. on after that. But we did a huge global campaign. I think with Swiss Beats, um, taught me is that you just can't just say, here's a check and put my name on it. We have to be very, we have to be involved. And so we did a global campaign. We went to, went all over the world, London, Paris, um, Tokyo, just tapping into influencers and top people in each of those markets and doing campaigns and events, parties, connecting Mm. with DJs all over the world so that it wasn't just a U.S. presence, but spreading this Reebok name globally. Um, one of my biggest activations we did was on 42nd Street in Reebok. We did the Reebok um, a Classic launch, and it was, like, amazing. You know, we had everyone from Oprah to <laughs> French Montana was there. <laughs> you know? nice, and nice. it was, you know, it, it was just amazing. Clyde Davis came. Um, I mean, it was just awesome. And I think um, any campaign that, I can, that I've worked on in the past, the best of them has been with Swiss Beats because he just teaches me to think in a global way. And I'm 
so blessed to have the, to have the um, opportunity to work with him, to have worked with him. Mm-hmm. Do you still keep in contact with with him, or is it like? All yeah, around? yeah, he's like family. He's like my right. family now. You know, he's like my big brother. And mm-hmm. um, anytime you know, he does his own thing. Honestly, he doesn't even need PR. Like people, no, yeah, I was we say. got to the point, <laughs> and I'm so proud of that because in the beginning, right. like it was a lot of very very beginning, he was a, um, considered a DJ producer, and there were a lot of no's from. Um, from the bigger people and brands and to see everyone begging to have a, a bite of him now, it's just so awesome to mm-hmm. see the process and watch him grow into like a mega um, brand specialist, mega star, mega producer, mega dad, you know, mm-hmm. mega husband. And anytime there's opportunity to pull me in on something, he will, you know? And so right. I appreciate all those opportunities that he can, him or, or his manager, Mo, right. which, which yeah. is my best friend. I mean, Whenever yeah. they have the chance to pull me into something, they will. If any the opportunity for me to help them with any of the events and activations they have, that's the only time they really need somebody, mm-hmm. I do, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. And his name, I mean, he worked for it. I mean, he's been in the game for so long. It's like, he doesn't need, he, they, they reach out to him now. He doesn't really need to do the reaching, yeah. like you mentioned. Like, it's a household name now. You know what I mean? Yeah, Just, exactly. And then, you know, in the beginning, it was a lot of lifestyle publicists, too. Like, publicity. Right. And when you weren't working on a project. So, like, you know, um, let me pitch this because they were having date night. Let me pitch this because they, now they can just go to your social media and just choose a picture and post it on their blog. So it's not really a need for that everyday lifestyle PR anyway, either mm-hmm. way, you know, and he's such mm-hmm. a mega star. If he posts something interesting, whether him or his wife, they'll just pull it from there and post it. So, yeah, you know, he's, exactly. he's just, he's just a huge, huge mega brand. I'm so proud mm-hmm. of him. Mm-hmm. I'm so proud of everything that he's doing in Saudi Arabia right, and all the yeah. projects and brands he's worked with. I want him to bring no commission back because that was the biggest thing in our Basel. I loved working on that project with him in any small shape or form. And it's just huge. And I want to continue that. Mm-hmm. If you, if anybody doesn't know about No Commission, please look it up. It was a global movement. Mm-hmm. Um, it started with Bacardi and now he's doing it with other brands on his own, like American Express and Marriott Bonvoy and other brands that's trying to get on board to be a part of it. Right. But it's just a huge, huge global initiative mm-hmm. in, in the art world. And um, I highly celebrate it. And then speaking of art, he also collaborated with an artist and re- released a, a vinyl, a jazz vinyl right. as well. That's, that's yeah. what I'm talking about, like classic right. stuff, yeah. like just figuring out a way to have really authentic, you know, branding opportunities out there, partnerships. It's like when you get to a certain level, you don't need to make right. decisions to do anything for clout. You do whatever you feel, right? Whatever feels mm-hmm. right to you. And I, he's a DJ, so why not bring the vinyl back? And mm-hmm. why not bring it back in an artistic, dope way? Right. And the only person that can pull that off like that, well, one of the few people that can pull it off like that is Swiss Beats. He's just, mm-hmm. um, just a genius, for sure. Right, and then not to mention the verses that he did with Timberland. Shout out to Timberland, yeah. you know, the whole yeah, Virginia. Man. The whole Virginia. Yeah, for so. sure. My other client just um, interviewed Timberland, Earn Your Leisure. Um, I worked that podcast. Um, mm-hmm. And they just interviewed Timberland for United Masters um, partnership with Ally at Art Basel. And that was really, really amazing. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, I was like, is, is Earn Your Leisure one of your clients? Because they're, they're becoming a, a huge podcast. They're already huge, but they're like on another level right now. They're Yeah, I'm so excited. Like, I've been working with them for... Um, I think about six months now, maybe seven. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and uh, right after their Atlanta conference, we started working together, and we did London, um, the Royal Albert Hall, and it was sold right. out. I mean, if I don't know if anybody is familiar with Royal Albert Hall in London, but it it's pretty huge, mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. they sold it out. Um, and we did press in the UK. 
mm-hmm. BBC and um, just all types of, of we did Spotify, UK, right. all types of media out there to give them exposure. And I think now we're going to be doing Market Mondays. We just rolled out that tour and we're going to do um, press around that as well. And bef- before that, there was, I mean, after the Royal Upper Hall was um, MSG. Right, and the right. keynote was kind of like, or well, the main speaker um, that they interviewed at that time was Floyd Mayweather, but then they had the locks close it out, mm-hmm. little C's joined at one stage. Um, but they had all types of like, you know, brilliant men and women right. speaking on that stage, talking about real estate, finance, stocks, where you should be investing. And just to see the whole room full of black and brown people mm-hmm. just there with their notepad interested and and to see people's feedback about how they changed their lives and with their financial literacy and what they're spreading and, and, you know, giving them information in a relatable way. It's just mind blowing. I can't mm-hmm. wait for the Market Monday tour, which will be starting in um, actually next month in March and be going from London to Ghana. Right. Yeah. And that, that's such a great podcast. I'm glad that something like that has come up because there's so many podcasts out there that don't really have a meaning to it. But this podcast right here is just so much meaning, you know, and so much knowledge, so much wisdom, so much. It's just, it's just a great overall podcast. And yeah, for, you a, yeah. for you to be a part of it is amazing. And you know what I mean? And this is what I'm talking about, guys. Like, Francoise is the epitome of working hard and getting shit done. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, you so know. much. And I hope to see more opportunities. Definitely check, look out for them on and more TV opportunities and activations in a city near you. Mm-hmm. They just did, you know, Good Morning America, Today's Show, right. and Bloomberg and just going to do way more and even come mm-hmm. back to the shows that we've done before and give more expertise mm-hmm. and more topics to discuss mm-hmm. that are relevant to the time. Right. Exactly. Now, if your life had a soundtrack, which three tracks would you pick? Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, what sound, what, what songs, would, okay. What three songs would I pick? I would pick, uh, Rick Ross, Hustle. <laughs> mm, nice. Okay. Um, uh, I would pick Jay Z. Uh, imaginary players. <laughs> nice. Nice. Okay. Kept it Brooklyn. Okay. Um, and I think the third one would be um. Oh. I think it would be Kodak Black. <laughs> mm, okay, okay. Kodak Black has a song. What is it called? Is it called Gremlin? Yeah. Um, I relate to that song a lot. I mean, there's a lot of haters in this industry and a lot of people that you think um, will support you, but you have to just do your own thing. You know, you have to live mm-hmm. and learn. Um, and a lot of people is going to tell you no, and a lot of people that you think are your friends that will support you. Um, and they just don't believe in you or don't feel like you're cool enough or don't feel like you can do it. And you just have to break through those walls and realize what it is and realize that they're not a friend anymore. Keep it moving and, and prove everyone wrong. Um, and prove your, prove, and prove yourself right. You know? Right. Um, so I kind of relate a little bit to that song, but yeah, Brooklyn all day for sure. I mean, I, w- I would go <laughs> to some songs, but I'm like, I don't want to think I'm, you know, raunchy, but I just get the meaning out of it. You know? Right, 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 right. So you went from Brooklyn to Florida like twice. You went right. Brooklyn to Florida, well, my yeah. favorite 
Miami is one of my second favorite cities, you know, uh, out of, in, okay. in America. I want to explore more of America for sure, because I feel like I go mm-hmm. so abroad. But as far, as far as America, like that's where you go, two-hour flight, you're on the beach in nice weather, and you can just mm-hmm. chill and relax for a week mm-hmm. and hide out, you know? And I definitely heard that New York accent when you said Rick Ross, Rick Ross. And I was like, Rick Ross, yeah. Rick Ross, okay. Get out of here. There you go. Uh, (laughs) Water, you know. Water, water, water. Brooklyn, water. water. Like, I love, because I used to to live in New York. So I definitely under, and then people think I'm from New York because of the, because when I moved to America, I picked up hip hop and it was New York hip hop. So I started speaking New York slang. And they're like, Are you from New York? I'm like, No, I'm not from New York. I'm from Europe. (laughs) <laughs> Don't worry about that. But like my favorite rapper is Nas. You know what I mean? So it's like I love Nas too. So it's like you do the water, get out of here, get, get off me, get off me. Like that, <laughs> that you know what I mean? But then yeah, you know, dog. Dog, yeah, yeah, yeah dog. <laughs> uh, get on the train. Get on the train. Yeah, get on, I know, get on. I know. I know. So we have a very distinctive. I mean, anywhere you go in the in the world, they're like, Oh, you're from New York, right? I'm like, yeah, yeah we have a very distinctive accent but new york is the you know the city of hustle the city of dreams and right i'm so proud to be a part of to be from this state i mean i meet so many people they're like where are you from and i'm like i'm from here because there's so many people that move here that are not from here that right. when i actually tell them i'm from here like wow you're actually from here I'm like yes i'm born and born and raised in brooklyn right. new york and yeah. it really taught me a lot of hustle and street smarts and common sense that i sometimes mm-hmm. it frustrates me that other people don't have Mm-hmm. Um, and it gives you this like super like drive and passion because you just really want to make it, you know, mm-hmm. and it's expensive as hell to live here, but <laughs> yeah, they're strong to survive, you know? <laughs> right. Exactly. I mean, I mean, and, and I always put it like this way, their attitude, their attitude is third world mentality, but they, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a third world mentality with money. Right. That's, right. the, that's the way I view New York. And my favorite people are from Brooklyn. Like, I love Brooklyn people. Like, they, they show mad love. It's like, there's it's like, it's like Biggie said, you know what I mean? Spread love the Brooklyn way. Yeah, people have a really bad um, idea of what people from Brooklyn are. And I mean, we, we see so much that we mind our own business and we have straight faces mm-hmm. because it's just so much going on. You just learn your lessons. <laughs> you know, your lessons right. Just find it. But if you actually say, hey, and ask a question, they're so willing to help you and they're so nice, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I go to other places and you think they'll be so nice, but they're very, sometimes they're very rude to you. They don't want to help you. Yeah. But in New York, if you actually stop them, and like, okay, what's up? Make a left, make a right, go there. You know, that's in any old way. Right, yeah. So they're very helpful and nice people, but Cause, obviously cause, you got to watch out, you know? Right, you can't yeah, say cause... hi to certain people because then they'll start following you. Mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. You got to be careful with, yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, yeah. 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 <laughs> But when I first moved there, I asked this guy for directions. And he's like, well, if you look at the street, it says east, right? I was like, yeah, I'm looking for 14th Street West. He's like, well, if it's this is east, what do you think west is? I was like, I don't I don't fucking know. Like, you, I'm asking you. you. And that taught me, somebody else said, in New York, you have to use common sense. Yeah, yeah. Common a lot, sense. a lot of common sense. And sometimes you think it wouldn't be common sense, but it's common sense for us, you know? Yeah. Um. But once you get a whole, once you get a hang of it, it's once, just yeah. a nice place, you know. I mean, yeah. um, 
we have our issues like every other mm-hmm. city, but mm-hmm. it's really, it's a vibe. <laughs> right. Exactly. You learn that the weekends is a bad, it's a bad time to ride the trains because they're doing construction. You learn yes. so many, <laughs> you learn so many different things. And so you got to pick your choices. Like the F train is running on the E line. Like what the fuck is the F train running on the E line for? Like, Always. Since I was know? little, it's been happening that way. I'm like, had you not fixed it since I was a little girl, the same track line being fixed on the weekend? And why do I not see a difference? Right, <laughs> you exactly. should be using this time to clean the trains, not just exactly. fix it on the side, you know? Exactly, exactly. What's the best advice you can give overall from somebody that's trying to enter the realm like you did in the industry? I definitely, I, I, I definitely um, suggest an internship. I think people always decide, think that they know what they want to do. But I think being an intern and learning from the ground up um, is really a good way to figure out where you want to be. You know, um, I also think that um, uh, you should always speak up for yourself, you know, mm-hmm. um, and let people let people know your ideas and what you want to bring to the table and don't be afraid for somebody telling you no or rejecting you. But yeah, I would think uh, definitely an internship to, to really decide what you want to do. Also believe in yourself. I think Kanye, even though he has a lot of um, negative uh, press and connotations right. right now, in the beginning, he really showed people that you should really believe in yourself. And even, you know, even when, even when no one else does, you know, mm-hmm. um, I always, um, and then also have the hustle and drive and passion. I think there's a lot of entitlement, right? And I think social media is a big part of it, mm-hmm. where people just want to be president the next day and don't realize there's work that you have to put towards right. that, you know? And there's levels to it. There's no, there's no, there's no shame in starting from the intern to the assistant, to the coordinator, to the VP, to the president, mm-hmm. even if it's of your own company. You know, like you have you have to level yourself up to to learning the experience and realize that you don't know everything. And then when you once you do get to that level, once you have your own company, I always express the power of a team. Um, I know sometimes people want to keep the money to themselves or, you know, they don't trust certain people. But you have to find certain people that you trust and build that team up because you cannot do everything. You have to have the power of delegation um, to be able to give certain people you know, their directives and really own it, ownership, take authority in those, in those, in those situations. But if I, if I, I really figured out where I want to be, what's happening on all levels from being an intern. Mm -hmm. So if you're in high school or college, even in, you know, after college, I know you really want that job, but if you're in high school and college, please intern as much, as many places as you possibly can to really figure out, you know, if this is, this really what I want to do. And then once you figure that out, don't be afraid to change. You know, some people say, well, that's, I've been doing styling for 20 years. I don't know anything else. Listen, you can change in 20 years. Right. You can say, this is what I, I want to try here. And, and don't be afraid to start from a different level, because if you believe in yourself enough, you're going to rise up from that beginner level um, to a higher level um, with your passion, with your you know, ability to do the work. Right. Exactly. I mean, cause I'm for me like that, I always tell people that exactly. Cause when I first moved to New York, I, st- I went to acting school. That was my first mm. goal. It was acting school. And then I picked up music producing and then ski beats with the, you know, reasonable doubt and all of that. He mentored me in music producing, but then mm. I moved to LA. I moved to LA and my friend was like, Hey, um, I'm looking to do this piece. We need to find a director. will not you help me? I was like, fuck that. Why don't I just go to buy, go to, go to Best Buy buy a fucking camera and let's do this shit ourselves. 
Wow. And, That's amazing. You know, so then uh, next thing you know, I'm taking photos of, of this person doing all of these things. I learned videography at the same time. And then people are like, yo, you've really got a skill set for this. It's like, yeah, but the amount of hours I spent on YouTube learning this shit, it was yeah. insane. It was insane. Yeah. And then it was a new school. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's literally a school. And then so and then the pandemic happened. And, I, and then, I, you know, obviously before the pandemic, I did like Summer Jam. I did all these stuff for High 97 because I worked within with one person that worked there. And then the pandemic happened. And I was like, OK, what am I going to do now? Everybody's inside. Photography is not really popular. Like, oh, let me start a podcast. Yeah. So it's, it's like, a great podcast, by the way. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. But it's just, and then people are like, well, what's your end goal for the podcast? Who are you going to interview? Oh, people behind the scenes. They, yeah. need to get, they need to get their shine as well, because I always tell people that the artist does not move without the people behind them. A, a clock right. does not move without the pieces behind it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I want to do, too. That's one of my goals this year is to highlight people behind the scenes, but not not behind. But I mean, there's so many people behind the scenes you can highlight, but I really want to emphasis on publicists because we do a lot of the work and we don't right. get a lot of the praise. And I really want to just give my PR um, family their flowers, you know, and show them that they are acknowledged for certain things that we do. I mean, a lot of the marketing and advertising at age and all those things celebrate you, celebrate you, but publicists are really the people who are pushing and exactly. giving you brand awareness out there mm-hmm. outside of the marketing. And it's a big part of, you know, your push um for your success Mm -hmm. and um people just don't recognize them they just think that you know there are people that pop up in events and have party but they don't realize how much begging they had to do to get that article up or you know the frustrations of working with certain artists and Mm -hmm. um and and working with media at the same time and really pushing and sometimes you might think an artist or a product or brand is is big but then the media doesn't get it and you have to keep telling keep pushing and keep pitching the stories for you to finally get that one hit, you know? Mm-hmm, exactly. um, and uh, it's, a, it's a lot of work behind the scenes, mm-hmm. especially putting an activation together, mm-hmm. putting a press week together, getting personalities together, you know? And then, and then on, on top of that internationally, like when my clients travel internationally, I'm also looking for that press there. Exactly. As well as yeah. getting, mm-hmm. bringing back the press release and exposure to the U.S. So it's a lot of work. You know, even yeah. when I was in Bangkok, I was work with um, my um, cannabis uh, client, Gumbo, which I'm so proud of them as well. They had a partnership with Cookies. I'm doing things during the day, but there's 12 hour difference. So eight o'clock or nine o'clock when we finally get in the house or in the, in the in your hotel room, it's prime. It's about to be prime time in New York. And so mm-hmm. I have to keep working throughout the night with no sleep, mm-hmm. making sure that my, my U.S. clients are, are taken care of at the same time. So mm-hmm. it's a lot of work. Yeah, it's a lot of work. You, you got you got to respect PR people. I mean, I respect them so much. I mean, like when I I use IMDb Pro to connect with a mm-hmm. lot of people. You know, I go to IMDb Pro and I, I always go to the to the publicist section. And if they don't have one client ready, they're like, "Hey, but would you like to interview this person?" Yeah, yeah. They're always pushing somebody. It's always good to have that. It's always good to have like you know. Sometimes it's really good to have like one big artist because you can use that as the people use that as leverage. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, they say, okay, they'll contact you for that one. And if it doesn't work, you have other artists under you right. that, can, that can make fit, you know? And and they're also familiar with, with what you're interviewing. Like, okay, if this, because I interviewed Moby, you know what I mean? The, the legendary Moby, I interviewed him. Wow. And then next thing you know, the same PR person that covers Moby also used to cover, covered Angela Lewis from Snowfall. Wow. 
But it, it keeps that, it led me to Angela Lewis. Like they pitched me Angela Lewis for Cliche Magazine when I used to work for them, but I didn't really realize who Angela Lewis was. And then I started my podcast. I started watching Snowfall. I was like, oh, wow, snap. I missed an opportunity there. But I, was, I have a podcast though. And they're like, Angela Lewis is not available, but would you like to interview Moby? Wow. I was like, that's amazing. I was like, okay, cool. And then I, that's when I realized the power of PR. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's a lot. And I just, it, it's, I'm always explaining to my family, my life is not a party. It's just social media. That's one snapshot from the party, but you don't understand that the AV was wrong and tech thing and the DJ came late. And then we had, we had the sponsor pulled out last minute. We had to pull another mm-hmm. sponsor in 24 hours and, oh sh- shoot, my client just missed his flight. Now I got to figure out a way for him to get here in time. And like, there's right. so many hiccups and things that are happening. Yeah. Um, behind the scenes to make those great moments mm-hmm. and people don't realize the work they just come in they see the glitz exactly. and glamour of it and they realize exactly. oh this just happened no this is a lot of work we put into mm-hmm. this you know mm-hmm. whether it was three six months planning or whether it was we did or, or an artist just said can you do a party for me in 48 hours and we had to whip it together you know mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. i think you know both of those things mm-hmm. and not to mention the pr crisis when there's a crisis going on i mean jesus christ i'm, I'm... oh my god yeah those things <laughs> We don't like to mention them because we don't want to put our clients under the bus, but yeah, throw them under the bus. But yeah, for sure, there are definitely um, crisis crisis, um, moments that we have to manage. Mm -hmm. Um, It always happens. Sometimes they turn into good things. Sometimes it just gets worse, but you have to be there for the client and kind of guide them to the right direction. Sometimes they don't Mm -hmm. listen. They want to do things their own way, but you're definitely there to give them advice. And then once we agree on, agree on what that tactic should be, we have to definitely follow through and implement it to make sure that our client looks good at the end of the day. What are some new tools? Like, cause obviously, you know, uh, PR has changed. Marketing has changed with all of And What are some brand new tools and updated tools a PR person can use in today's world? What do you mean by tools? Like to promote an artist to beside like I, we have social media and everything, but what are some like other tools like, or is it well, all the for, same? Yeah, I mean, I'm, some of it's all the same. Like obviously, traditional media is always great, but sometimes people don't read and sometimes people don't watch TV. You know, so social mm-hmm. media is definitely a big tool. But just like this, I mean, I think what we've been we, when I first started with Gumbo, we were doing like. um press we did forbes we did black enterprise i'm like we need to hit the streets we need to speak to the people who actually smoke so i think what's been really good is what you're doing right now is podcasting you know Mm -hmm. like um podcasts have been a really big way to have an organic conversation with somebody to get to know somebody in a different way than you normally have some people just think oh that's just a smoke guy they just have weed but they don't realize the dynamics um that are involved in it whether it's a humanistic um things or you know, personal, right. or it can be business tactics, or it can just be what we do on the street. I think mm-hmm. every podcast offers a different focus, and we kind of latch onto that focus and say, "This, this is a part of the story we're going to give to this person." And people fall in love with just knowing you, you know, mm-hmm. outside of just what your brand does, um, and they become loyal that way. Right. You know, like I love Alexis, so I'm going to buy into everything that she does and i think rihanna had that effect like you know i love her she's done some human things i think i don't think it was podcast at that point but i think when instagram was very big at the beginning was very big and flourishing she showed us her personal side on 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 instagram people started falling in love with her like oh my god she's so real she's like my sister she's like my friend oh my god that's like my home world you know and 
And people fall in love with that aspect of it. They want to buy into your brand. So now it makes it easier for you to sell lipstick and hair and everything right. else because, you know, they like your style. They like how you hang out in a person on your, on your off days and they just want to support anything you do. So definitely podcasting. Um, but, you know, when I was when I was going over some press things with a good friend of mine, Amber, who manages Dream Doll, um, we were talking about PR and how it's changed. And it really is about moments. Um, and so outside of traditional media and podcasts and, so, and social media, we got to create moments that are huge. Like, you know, Earn Your Leisure was... Um, down there at the Rock Nation brunch, they won the Grammy mm-hmm. carpet. You know, they're at All Star NBA. I mean, these things show that the brand is getting bigger and that you're being exposed and being invited to different places, and people grow with your brand and they start believing in you more because, and it also gives gets more fans that way for mm-hmm. your your um your viral things. And so, um, those those are, are amazing. Definitely right. moments, mm-hmm. podcasts, um connecting with the fans directly in any kind of way, any type of like mm-hmm. social engagement or direct fan engagement is, 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 I mean, people, I would think people back in the day would not really touch their fans and enough unless it was a fan club. But now we're figuring out ways to involve the fan, whether it's a giveaway, whether it's a meet and greet, whether it's a, um, a contest, a uh, social media like mm-hmm. campaign or, you know, just any kind of way we can do yeah, to figure yeah. out how we can just mm-hmm. touch the fans in a different way where they feel special. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at Rihanna. I mean, nobody gets paid for the Super Bowl performance, but after that performance, her streaming went up like 800 and some percent. Wow. And, and then she, there, there was a, the Louis Vuitton thing happened. And then all of these, so many different deals are happening for her at this moment because of that performance. People are like, well, she got paid for that. Like, Nobody gets paid no, for that. No, but that's- you have to understand that. That's just strategy. Right. That's something that we talked about when I was at the Island Music Conference mm-hmm. um, this weekend. We I work with Sharon Burke, who's an amazing woman who, who runs Jamaica and Shaggy. We are nominated and mm-hmm. created this Island Music Conference. And we were just saying, it's really about strategy. And um, we find it uh, sometimes difficult in hip hop and our, and um, and uh, Caribbean music where people like just drop music. And I'm like, wait, you can capitalize on this moment. So she knew about this performance for almost a year. All these things were planned and aligned to happen around the same time. Right. It just doesn't pop up. You don't have the performance and just leave a time quote you the next day and say, hey, no. They were meetings and conversations that were happening right. beforehand. And we said, you know what? The right time to to, to announce this is right, right after Super Bowl. The right, right time now. to put out this Vogue, this Vogue cover, we right after Super Bowl. We have maximum exposure. It's going to sell. It's going to create um, a, a crazy online presence for Vogue. It's going to create um, amazing opportunities for Louis Vuitton. And everything else that she's doing is just going to be maximized. You see that she's putting out a Valentine's Day collection, you know, right around right. this time. All, and it's big right now. All these things are aligned and it takes your team, it takes your PR, your marketing team, your manager, your assistant, everybody to come together and say, come up with a plan so that you can really amplify and maximize everything that you're doing and moment. take advantage of your high moments. In that moment, yeah. Because especially nowadays with social media and everything, everybody has that. It's literally a 15-second moment for you. And right. most people have... Their attention span has gotten shorter and shorter and shorter yeah. and shorter. So it's like maximize on this moment right now so you can kind of live up to it and then see what the next moment is because somebody else is going to take that moment. So might as well take advantage of it now. 
Right. Right. Exactly. I mean, it really is about strategy, you know, and a rollout. (laughs) Mm -hmm, (laughs) They call mm -hmm. it that a rollout. A rollout. Exactly. A rollout. And, you know, now she's exposed. Now people are waiting for the album and she never really responded to that. Um, but she's doing things in her, her own time. Right. And I love that about her. And I love that she says, you know what? I'm going to let Vogue know when I'm coming out with an album. It's not going to put this out, this, this amazing news out freely. I'll right. put it on a platform that works for me, works mm-hmm. best for me. and makes my family look great and all of my announcements, mm-hmm. including my child. Um, and so, you know, I think that was so beautiful. I think she mentioned something along those lines because I did I did read that she's coming up with an album and she did mention something to along the lines of this is the moment to do it this is the perfect moment right now to yeah to yeah why so, not record while you're pregnant and then you know <laughs> right right and then you know I don't even know how many months she is right now but I didn't I didn't get into that deep into the article right but I know that she's significantly pregnant and so mm-hmm. I would imagine her taking advantage of this time now that Super over to really you know, take her time and mm-hmm. recording the album. She, I'm sure she has some songs done already. She can, right. um, that, cause she's been trying to come out with the album for a few. Um, and she can add to that during this downtime. Mm-hmm. And then whenever she's ready, after she has the baby, she'll come out with a tour she'll and everything out, else. Yeah, you know? yeah. mm-hmm. What's something you have learned so far that you still apply today being in this industry? What I've learned so far, um, I've actually learned the power of relationships mm-hmm. um, and I learned the power of being humble. Um, I've, I, I see publicists who are not even doing half of what I'm doing and they act like they're queen of Zamunda, you know? <laughs> and I'm just like, you have so much work to do. And they so can be, you know, mean or just pretentious or a certain way that's not positive. And then you know what happens when you have a downfall or you need help, nobody wants to help you because they, you already put a bad taste in their mouth or they just feel like, you know, fuck you, <laughs> you know, like right, right. you weren't nice to me. You did anything for me. You didn't give me access to anything. You didn't respond to my emails. You had an attitude or you're funny. And I'm like, you have to understand that you have to be humble. So even though I have a, a great client who pay me well and I've had amazing people that I work with, I still remain humble. And I think that's, um, has helped me because I've never had to advertise for a client. Um, I've, I've pitched to clients that I've wanted to work with directly, but I've never had to like market myself as my whole, my, in my nine years of having my own company, it's always been word of mouth. And I've always had about four or five clients. So I never want to have more than four or five clients at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe six if it's a light client. Um, right. but I've, I've, I realized that and I realized the power of relationships and, also knowing that you can't just be in one box. I mean, your clients are clients now are going into all different types of side hustles and second mm-hmm. second brand opportunities, whether it be tech, whether it be beauty, business, um, uh, heads of labels and all those things. And you have to have contacts in all those type of media outlets and, um, and genres to be able to give your client that, that exposure. Mm-hmm. If you just do music, when it's time for them to say, I want to boss up and do this, they're going to find another publicist. So it's not only you have to know the person at Complex and, you know, Fader and right. Billboard, but you also have to know the person at Forbes, you know, TechCrunch, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Bloomberg, you know, and all those other outlets that kind of help expose whatever initiative they're going to be doing. I mean, mm-hmm. when I worked with Neil was with his app. Loom, you know, and that's something outside of music. And if I didn't have music plus tech 
um, expertise, I wouldn't have been able to, uh, to secure right. that client. Mm-hmm. You know, you so you would have boxed yourself in. I would have boxed myself in. Easily. And so when people say, are you a music publicist? I'm like, no, I'm a publicist and I have expertise in, <laughs> right. in, in a, a plethora of genres. And even if you go anywhere around the world, I, I'm, I'm so fortunate that power relationships through my travels, I've gained friends everywhere. So that if I need exposure for my clients, I could tap into them as well as just figure out who's there and really do the research and contact them. And then also, um, start a relationship with them. So when another client goes into that area, I already have that contact, you know? Mm-hmm. So anybody that comes to, to London or Paris or Berlin or Tokyo, or even Bangkok now, I already know press there. So I can just tap into them and they can actually help me reach out to other people that are other media that I might not have access mm-hmm. to. So power relationships and being humble is definitely something that um, I, I, I started out with and I'm going, I'm going to end with. Mm-hmm. Your referrals have become, have become stronger too. Mm-hmm, for sure, That's and they and they they start they 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 value the attention that I give them. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes people feel like, oh my god, I'm not going to get this client because, you know, they probably want to go to a bigger company. I'm like, if you show them how much attention that you can give them on the project and how much passion you have for them and believe in them, they'll stick with you. Because sometimes those big companies they'll drown you out. I have mm-hmm. clients who have left me who left me when we got to a certain um, peak in their career, thinking that I'm going to go to a bigger firm or sometimes even not to put the race card in there, but go to bigger white firms. Mm-hmm. And um, they realized that, um, wow, Francoise did this for me. They didn't just send me to an event. They actually walked me in the red carpet. She actually guided me and prepped me for this interview. She actually guided me and prepped me for what the right decisions are for my album, not just doing a generic plan that they have a template for every type of person they work with you know mm-hmm. oh this is music let me just give them a billboard vibe right no. right we want to do something bigger and so i think um yeah that, that's <laughs> all, all those things are important yeah it's crunch it up to relationships and humbleness and i always tell yeah, people it's so, like you can't just i always tell them like if you work with somebody don't just do that one and done thing. Keep up with them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Actually, go to a coffee, like go to a coffee meeting with them. You know what I mean? Go to a lunch with them, you know, get to yeah. know them on a different personal level. You know what I mean? Yeah. Get to know them. Like, you know, that's why I always throw in that. What's, what are your hobbies? You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. that way, if we ever meet up, we could do some of the hobbies you like to do. You know what I mean? And that kind of, it keeps the relationship going. You know yeah. I mean? Yeah. That's one of the other suggestions I always tell people. If you have a contact, definitely have tea, coffee, a drink with them. You don't have to hang out with this person every day. Everyone's busy. Right. But once you have that one time, a personal connection and you guys get along, get it, you kind of become friends, especially mm-hmm. with social media. Once you meet them in person, you're connecting on social media every day. Right. You're like looking at their stories, you're liking it, you're commenting on their on their posts, you're tagging them in things that, you know, whatever. And then you maybe you might invite them to certain things mm-hmm. that um, they might be interested in and you get to meet them again right. at, on those mm-hmm. times. But like, that one initial um, personal um, connection will go yes, a long way. Yeah, I mean, I mean, because I was, I, I made a trip last year in Los Angeles, two years ago in Los Angeles, and it was specifically to meet the guests that I've had on the podcast. It was specifically, wow. it, was, it was specifically for that. They're like, so what are you doing here? I'm like, oh, I'm just here to connect with the people I've interviewed on a deeper level. Right. And like, I always, wow, that's amazing. Yeah. You know, so I always go back and listen to like, okay, what are their hobbies? Once they mention foodie, I'm like, okay, lunch. 
Everybody loves food. <laughs> yeah. So it's like everybody loves food. Okay, let's go to lunch. Okay, cool. Where do you where do you like to where do you, what do you like to eat? Da, da, da. Okay, cool. Meet me there. And then when I get there, they always pull out their card and they're like, okay. I was like, no, 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 no. I'm the one that invited you to lunch. You better put that card away. Like I'm paying for it regardless. Yeah. Oh, but you're a guest in LA. I was like, I don't care. I used to live in LA. So LA is like home to me anyway. So it's like put yeah. that card away. You know what <laughs> I mean? So it's it's, it's you gotta be able to nurture the relationships. You know what I mean? Exactly. Keep, up, keep up with them. And I've met so many people here that are, have actually looked out for me. Like, hey, I have a client who would be perfect for your podcast. Okay, cool. But never in a million years would I have thought I would have, you know, done that with so many people yeah. interviewed. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, that's amazing. You got to you gotta take the risk. You know what I mean? It was like LA during COVID time. It was like, hmm, you know, it's a risk taker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's definitely, I mean, um, I survived in the pandemic because, I did have some of those relationships in those tech places, but also media was, there was no, there was nowhere to spend money. Mm-hmm. There was nowhere to spend money on, on in real life activation. So we created some online and got sponsors involved or we created, you know, opportunities on social media, whether it be a live experience where we're having conversations or, and that kept the clients going. Mm-hmm. And then off, all obviously the today shows and all those other things would have zooms and zoom interviews and things like that. And so we really capitalized on all those things. Now people weren't talking about your business. Sometimes they were talking about what do you do on the side? Right. So then you usually you have a Denzel talking about a movie, but then you'll have him now talking about how he makes macaroni and cheese, you know what right, I'm saying? Right, exactly. Like, and people are interested. Like, it's just like, what do you do outside of acting, you know? And people mm-hmm. started saying, okay, let me show the humanistic side of what I do now because mm-hmm. I'm not actually promoting a movie um, so that I can still keep relevant with the fans mm-hmm. um, outside of that happening. Yeah, you never want to throw all your eggs in one basket. Like, you always got to keep sure. it light. You know, people are like, well, I thought you were just a podcast. It's like, no, I do photography. So if you ever need a photographer, yeah. let me know. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I didn't know yeah. that. I was like, yeah, I don't like to do that. I'm a photographer. I'm an actor. I'm gonna one at a time, one at a time. Let's exactly let's build this slowly. You know what I mean? Like, what do you want out of this? Like, and what what am I gonna get out of this? And how are we gonna build this together? Yeah, for sure. It's it's definitely one of those. Um, now, towards the end of the podcast, I have these ten rapid questions that require one worded answers that I one got word. from okay. that I got from inside the actor studios as I honor its host James Lipton. Um, oh, I love him. Let's go. Yeah. The first one is, what is your favorite word? Love. What is your least favorite word? Hate. What turns you on in life? uh, What turns me on in life? Turns me on sounds naughty. Um. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I added the life in there, because originally it is, what is what turns you on? And, you know, me meeting you on the first basis, it's kind of weird. It's like, what turns you on? It's like, whoa, mm. calm down. So that's why I, I you know what? Nowadays, I would say health. Mm-hmm. What turns you off in life? <sighs> Negative people. I know that's two words, but maybe can say negativity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Haters. <laughs> Haters, yeah. <laughs> what sound it also strives me too. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, so no, go ahead. Sorry, what were you saying? It also uh, it strives me too, you know, to make me mm-hmm. better. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What sound or noise do you love? Sound or noise? Do I love music? Mm-hmm. Um, but also water. The calm, yeah, yeah. You just came from a beautiful office with water. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what sound or noise do you hate? Mm, 
car horns. Mm-hmm. <laughs> From New York, pretty beeping. much. <laughs> the beeping sounds. Yeah, yeah. New York, pretty much. And, you know, being from New York, the next question is, what is your favorite curse word? Shit. <laughs> okay. You're the first one from New York to say shit because everyone's like, fuck. Yeah. I know, but I'm always like, shit, I forgot to do it. Mm-hmm, <laughs> you know? mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Shit, oh man, you know? Shit. Yeah, you don't even finish the word shit, shit. <laughs> yeah, I say it just like that, shit. shit. <laughs> uh, I come from a Caribbean family, so that's so, what yeah, different. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that fuck is too vulgar. I think shit is like, oh, you know? Cause yeah, because you can look like shit. Mm, yeah, 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 you know? <laughs> Uh, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Um, film producing. Mm, nice. What profession would you not like to do? Cleaning. Mm, okay. okay. <laughs> Anything with cleaning, I just hate it. I just would mm. so rather not. Mm-hmm. I I hate washing dishes. Like I just. Mm. I hate cleaning. I love cleaning the bathroom, but everything else, I just wish somebody else would yeah, do yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, I'm the opposite. Like, if I see a dish on the sink, I'm like, I have to clean this. It's just, it's, oh, my like, God. I hate it. I, I, hate has, it. I hate seeing a dish in the sink. It's like, I don't even use the dishwasher. So I just throw it in there and then fill up the load. And go from there. Yeah. And the last one is, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Proud of you. Mm-hmm. Any last words you'd like to give to the people? Any shout outs? And where can they follow you on the social? Um, you can follow me on um, Instagram at PR Francoise, um, P R F R A N C O I S E. And on Twitter, um, Francoise P R F R A N C O I S E P R. And my advice is to live your life to the fullest do whatever you want to do follow your gut have love for your family show compassion be humble give to charity travel the world don't be afraid go for shoot for your dreams and my favorite thing is my favorite person in the world Swiss speed say says sky is not the limit it's just a view Mm-hmm. There you go. All right, guys. Za, za, za. Za, za, za. Za, za, Zone, zone, zone. Zone, zone, zone. Zone, zone, zone. All right, guys. Um, and also, I would, I would love to say a special shout out and thank you to one of my great friends, Monique Blake, who is the manager of Swiss Beats, who has been very supportive to me in my career mm-hmm. and who's also... Um, give me a lot of opportunities and recommendations in life and it's very rare for you to have friends like that and mm-hmm. I just appreciate her so much and she's been a rock on a personal level and business and I want to give her flowers for all the doors and opportunities she's given to me yes shout out to Monique she's definitely a legend definitely yes a legend. yes <laughs> definitely she's definitely like a behind behind the scenes lady and yeah 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 and, ja- and, and, and Jazz Young at H at um, Howard University, HBCU, forgive me that first thing at Def Jam, well, second thing at Def Jam that showed me the light. But yeah, Monique, mm-hmm. as, a, as a, for my last mm-hmm. over a decade, she's been there for me and, and I, I definitely love her and want to give her flowers. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, this is another episode of the Mar and Ham Show featuring Francoise Blanchette. Peace. Yes. <laughs> Peace. Have a great day, guys. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>